0: Welcome to a special episode of Counter Stories, the program by people of color, for people of color, and everyone else. I'm Anthony Galloway, pastor of St. Mark AME Church in Duluth, Minnesota. We celebrated the life of Dr. Martin Luther King this week. The proceedings in Duluth consisted of the MLK Breakfast, a satellite site for for the United Negro College Fund's MLK Breakfast hosted in the Twin Cities. It was followed by a rally and a march organized by the Duluth chapter of the NAACP. And I had the opportunity to be the keynote speaker. Today, we bring you that speech. I got to say, to stand in this place and to look out on the sea of all the faces here, to have been able to march with you and embrace many of you as I come to this community, I am truly honored. Um, I reflect this morning, it stood out to me that I stand before you days before my 39th birthday on a day that we celebrate a man who forced us to have the kind of conversations we needed to have and lead us down a path and was taken from us at the age of 39. It humbles me to be able to stand in a place where 80 years ago, my great-great-grandparents Meek and Annabelle Stalling came to Duluth from Mississippi and settled in the central hillside neighborhood and attended the church that I now pastor. It is not lost on me that yet and still in the state of Minnesota, we have so much to look forward to. We got things folks will never understand, but we also have an experience that somehow still does not understand who I am as a black man in this country. So, I'm humbled for all of those reasons. Let me start by saying thank you to the Duluth chapter of the NAACP for their invitation to keynote, this Martin Luther King rally and day of remembrance, to President Dudley, the entire leadership team, to the organizers and participants in the festivities all throughout today. I say thank you truly for taking us back to the ways we used to rally for Dr. King before COVID took that away. To Mayor Emily Larson of Duluth and Mayor Jim Payne of Superior, to the city councils of these Twin Port cities, and of course, to your new council president in the city of Duluth, Janet Kennedy, the first black woman to serve in that capacity. Who was also kind of my boss as one of the stewards of St. Mark AMB Church. (laughs) To Police Chief Mike Cinewa, for the ride this morning, we just Got a chance to like sit down at the breakfast this morning and I realized I didn't have a ride over to the march. And he let me ride in the police car up front. <laughs> I also bring you greetings from Bishop John Franklin White, the presiding prelate of the Fourth Episcopal District of the African Methodist Episcopal Church. I'll tell you more about that in a second. That's a big, long title. Um, And presiding elder Stacy L. Smith, who is the first woman to be the presiding elder of this region of the African Methodist Episcopal Church and is a former pastor of St. Mark A.M.E. Church. I am grateful for this opportunity to share a few words of reflection this day. and, and, And last but definitely not least, I would not be here if it wasn't for the faithful support and love of my family the choir director of the new Central Hillside Gospel Choir, uh, Alana Galloway, who is my wife, my road dog, my ride or die. And again, remember, I said not everybody in Minnesota understands these for the folks who do in the culture. My boo thang, right? <laughs> to my children, Ezra and Hadia, I am humbled by the faith that you have put in me as a newcomer to this area. Now, now that i got them pleasantries out the way, I sit here and as I began to write this speech, I toiled over which direction to go. In studying the many speeches that Dr. King gave in his lifetime to pouring over countless experiences of my people throughout history, my respect began to grow. I don't know if some of y'all noticed, but in a church setting, this is when you start to get into something and it gets in your core and you just begin to want to shout. You get a little giddy. You might be rolling up to next to somebody in their car and that song comes in. When, for example, whenever Umi says, for most death pops on, I'm in my own world and I don't care how you look at me. And I don't care how what happens when you pull up to me. I'm in my own world. Okay. I began to feel emboldened. I began to look at all of these examples of my ancestors and how they set a pathway for me, how how they defied the hubristic and oppressive subjugation of slavery and Jim Crow while holding on to our culture, our sense of future, and our duty to each other. I think of a people who, despite every reason to exact violent revenge for the debaucherous treatment, have instead been responsible for our greatest and most soulful music, our greatest movements for change, inclusive of all identities, and who have been the moral playground on which this country, stolen from the land of indigenous peoples, endeavors to move forward despite ourselves. I can't even sit back and enjoy a picnic without understanding that the word picnic, while it was has French French etymology, was the word used for the continued lynching of my very own family. I know this is supposed to be a message of hope and how to move forward, and I promise I'll get there. African Americans have always gotten there. I I I always grow weary when I hear somebody who uses abusive language tell me that I am somehow being divisive. But I thank God for all of the people across all backgrounds, inclusive of white brothers, indigenous brothers, Asian brothers, Asian sisters, all of the indigenous folks, Latinx folks who have rallied over and over and over again to bring folks together despite being called divisive for it. Last I checked, we shouldn't use the language of abusers to define ourselves. And so... I want to take you on a journey with me. Now, I spent some time studying in South Africa and was able to walk in some of the footsteps of the change agents in that fight against apartheid, which only ended in the 90s, let's be clear. There again, we praise Nelson Mandela for the work to restore a nation through the idea of Ubuntu. I am because we are. And it's good to do so. But how... Wonderfully, we forget that Nelson Mandela had given up on the peaceful approach because we were not listening and formed, on um, way the arm of the National Congress, the African Congress, National Congress, the ANC. So we love Nelson Mandela for the Nobel Peace Prize. But do we also love Nelson Mandela for organizing the militant arm that forced folks to a table they were unwilling to go to in the first place? We get selective amnesia when it gets uncomfortable. How quickly if we forget that in that fight for peace in that context included organizing an armed struggle. But we find no wondering when, we f- when he gets caught in Rivonia with every document that could incriminate him And the regal royal garb, because the law in South Africa said that you had the right to stand trial in the clothes of your choosing. And he just so happened to have with him the royal kosa garb of his family. When he ushers the words, this is an ideal, this equality, this ubuntu is an idea for which I am prepared to die. And we think that's coincidence. I, I laughed when I talked to a few folks who were part of the movement in South Africa in Soweto. And, and one of the things that they told me was that often Nelson Mandela would drive himself back across the South African border in his own car. As his own chauffeur. Because somehow we all look alike. And we played on that notion. I just find it fascinating that they interrogated him for hours as his own chauffeur. And yet we turn around and are said to be somehow academically behind other folks. I stand here as a classmate of Philando Castillo, a community member of George Floyd who used to sneak me into clubs and, and, and when I wasn't wearing the right shoes. And I also stand here as one of the clergy supports who held the vigil for Dante Wright's family after his murder the same week we heard the verdict in the Chauvin trial. I want to dream with you, y'all. I want to relish in the vision of a beloved community where all of God's children can sit at a table of brotherhood, but I am forced to live a dual existence where my hope is tempered by the crippling reality that we still are not willing to suspend our comfortability, our talking points, and our need to look right in the eyes of society in order to do right to right the wrongs of public policy. Uh, so so what do we do and what do we say to Dr. King's dream to, to be a nation that has the means to end hunger for every citizen, to ensure an education for every child, to ensure that no one is stressed and stretched to the point of starvation and addiction. We aren't poor in resource, but it seems especially now that we are growing more poor in spirit. In this sea of turmoil, how do we move forward? We speak of Dr. King for the dream, for the monumental shifts that occurred because of the work that he and so many of our ancestors, especially the women who actually launched the bus boycotts, let's be clear, When Dr. King came out of the Highlander school training, he got to go to church. Rosa had to go to Mississippi to register the narratives of women raped by white men who were being ignored, something that could get her killed way more than Dr. King at church. I'm not denigrating Dr. King, but when the men were too scared to push the go button, she said, let's go. But when I delve into our collective memory, we only seem to love and honor the comfortable parts of his legacy. We remember the hand in hand, the eventual arrival at nonviolence as a way of life, but we don't seem have to have much stomach for the adjutant, the upstart, the thorn in the side of those who wanted gradual and eventual equality. We want the king that makes us feel better about how far we have come, but we don't want the king who saw our nation as morally bankrupt for its inability to treat its own citizens with decency and respect. We only seem to think about Dr. King for his organization in Black communities, but Dr. King had organizing principles from Appalachia who are being ignored by the same government that we were marching for. We we forget to see the coordination with Chicano movements, or the burgeoning farmers' movements that were there. We don't talk about that. We don't just happen to arrive at ecumenical interracial groups of folks on Bloody Sunday coming to march with Dr. King by accident. We only want to put forward the hand in hand part because that makes us feel comfortable. That also does not put too much pressure on us to actually work. So we forget that when Dr. King was assassinated, he was not loved by an entire nation He was poking at policy change, workers' rights, redistribution of wealth, and the unfair labor practices and dignity of sanitation workers of all backgrounds and creeds. He was calling on us to put to action the words we seemed ready to adopt in brotherly and sisterly love and was ridiculed for agitating outside of the bounds of the South. Dr. King was coming for that check, and we ain't like it. And so we turn around and write a whole new narrative that says we're going to honor this 39-year-old upstart, but scrape away the things that make us uncomfortable. So this MLK holiday, I wonder if you all would be willing to take a journey with me. Not actually just to listen to a journey, but actually be willing to take a journey with me. I cannot promise that the journey will be the most comfortable. In fact, it may elicit feelings of surprise, joy, heartache, and regret. There may be a tendency to give way to shame and bitterness, but like all workouts, the long-term benefits far outweigh the momentary discomfort. This journey simultaneously examines and honors our past, comes to grips with our present, and endeavors to imagine a future in which we aim to shape for the good of all people. This is the journey of Sankofa, the ancient African philosophical wisdom that depicted as a bird looking on to its past. We wanna answer the question, how do we move forward? The answer is the answer that has been true for African heritage peoples all across the colonized world. This idea of Sankofa, the principle of Sankofa, in my opinion, is the purest description of how we as African people have walked through life in this country and others. It has sustained us and allowed us to honor our ancestors, love who we are, and imagine a future devoid of the hardships of the present. But it requires us all to look at who we were, who we are, and who we want to be. The three principles of Sankofa. And we don't offer this, let me be clear. We don't offer this as a way to say, this is our thing and not somebody else's. That's not a presumption that lies in African cultural heritage. We have the assumption that to lift anyone up is to lift all of us up. That's what is assumed. So we never have to say all lives matter because that's built into the fiber of our melanin. It's built into the cultural practice of who we've always been. But it's often challenged by those who question whether or not that can be true. If I were to give any singular definition of black culture, it would be this offering. This is what I offer to us about how we move and keep moving forward. For we are at our best when we honor the past and our ancestors, define our own identity and know ourselves and create and imagine the new. I invite you to all to take this journey in hopes that our walk together will uncouple us from the stagnation of our current discourse and useless rhetoric into a march that has us collectively decide that every life, every mind, Everybody has worth a march towards justice requires that you at least know some of the folks you presume to march for. It requires us to put away these attacks on quote unquote woke culture. Now, family, let me be clear. Black folks used woke for like three months. And then from there, I ain't never heard woke from anybody, but white folks mad about the word woke. Just like the music that is stolen for so many of us who were never paid for it, uh, woke culture, this cancel culture attack on folks who are just trying to hold accountability is like Pat Booning, Little Richard's music. It takes away the rhythm, the heart and the beat and leaves something that some folks understand, but is unrecognizable to the community that created it. This journey may take us alongside the waters of Lake Lanier in Georgia, where Buried underneath the well-known waters lives the remains of a black town once prosperous but was destroyed in the all-too-familiar pattern of white violence and whose memory was washed over in an attempt to move on. It may take us to a stage erected in the heart of Harlem where while we were putting somebody on the moon for several days, a music festival brought joy to the heart of a community sweltering under the weight of public policies that criminalized fatherhood. Redlined citizens into concentrated poverty and demonized its residents as criminals while uplifting how we should be in the world. While the very community that was there was making every demonstration of it, we just didn't pay attention. It will take us along the shores of the Nile where mathematics and the first practices of quarantine were engaged. It it will remind you simultaneously of the joy of our ancestors and the pain of all of our ancestors' past choices. Our journey must face this hard truth about our past. And even now we look to monuments like the Statue of Liberty and are unaware that the Statue of Liberty was not built as a monument to immigration. It was actually built as a monument to ending slavery in the United States. Edward Baboulet, other abolitionists rallied to crowdsource this monument, and the original design had the light of freedom in one hand and broken chains in the other. However, because we had a gag rule in Congress that would not allow us to talk about slavery, which we just litigated on a battlefield, and it made us too uncomfortable. We didn't want to go there. We decided not to support it. And the original designer, Bertoldi, said, well, I'm not going to make it. And so we had to compromise for this gift from France that was engineered by abolitionists. And now if you see the statue, it has the light of freedom in the right hand and the book of laws in the other. And we wonder what happened to the chains. Well, if you get above the platform and look at the feet hidden behind the garments, you will see the chains. And so the... Statue of Liberty actually becomes the monument that is actually honest about our history in the United States. We only deal with the hard things when we're forced to trip on them. Every other time we hide them at our feet, behind our garments, hoping that no one will see. But what if this journey, we unveil this past pain? Like the police departments across this country and even in our city, who are being honest and forthright about their inequitable data. Not every place in this country can say, here's our data first front. Here's our disparity right here. I know that some folks feel like we need to do more, but I can guarantee you that there are places across this country that ain't never gonna do that. This journey requires us to examine who we are. It requires honesty. It requires a suspension of our hubris. And a welcoming of new ideas and new ways of being. We wonder why our kids don't want to engage us in conversation. Well, we ain't done nothing until this point. Why do they have the right to listen to us in the first place? Instead, they're playing the markets. We love markets, right? Well, we ain't giving youth nothing except the tired old, same old stuff over and over again that hasn't worked before and we're unwilling to change now. So the youth are saying, I'm going to go make my own stuff forget you. And then we wonder why we're out of context, why we're disconnected. We aren't honest about our mistakes. We we wanna put this rosy picture on stuff and not deal with the real. And then we wonder why this, the students don't look at us and think we have anything to offer. Well, if I offer you something that's actually different than what everybody else has offered, maybe I'd listen a little bit. It requires owning that we're flawed, that we make mistakes, but that those mistakes don't warrant our deaths, and don't in many don't even warrant our incarceration. It demands that we walk tall despite someone deciding that your hair is unprofessional, your presence is a threat, and your abilities are only as good as your vernacular. We are mothers. We are fathers. We we have managed to feed generations when depressions and crop failures failed us, and we are also those who used rent parties and food shares to ensure that everybody in community eats. We are black and beautiful despite the omission of our images in history, in the media outside of stereotypes. We are the creators of whole genres of music, inventors of vaccines. We are lovers of our children and keepers of the culture. We are the rhythm in the blues and the heart in soul. This is who we are. And if anybody else is telling you a story that is different, they are not telling you a story of us, but a story that is trying to use a bogus narrative to allow hate to survive. This journey requires us to decide who we want to be. It requires us to imagine without the uh, imagine a world without the need to qualify my existence to anybody, but instead to celebrate the brilliance that I bring to the table. It's a journey that won't let us hold on to the trauma of the past and promises healing to a future that our children can be proud of. This journey requires a freeing of our minds from the limitations of our own perspectives. It requires us to leave the bounds of that which we hold most sacred and to venture into a land that is unknown, where the solutions to the problems of the past and present are no longer sufficient for progress. If we decide we want to end hunger, truly, what is stopping us? If one of us, each and every one of us in this nation, were to get one last Happy Meal and pool that money, not one child in this country would ever go hungry. If we wanted to reduce our prison sentence, we would stop locking up folks who make it incon- who may inconvenience our lives and only focus on those who endanger our lives, and our prison population would drop seventy five percent in the United States. If we also included not locking up those who are struggling by addiction, unfortunately, our data tells us that if you are white in America, you're more likely to be referred to treatment than if you are black, brown or indigenous for an addiction that is racking your brain. What are we waiting for? If we want to be a society where everyone votes, what's holding us back from making voting as easy as what we allow on our phone? It boggles my mind that you can open up a bank account and pay your taxes through an app, but you cannot vote. Family, as I close, this journey cannot and must not be walked alone. It cannot be contained by a talking point or a political party, and yes, African-American community has always been critiquing all of our political representation, but you may not hear that to hear the punditry online. This journey lives in the eyes of our grandmothers and in the hearts of our children. It is the reason marchers take to the streets. It is the lullaby promising infants whose eyes are just beginning to make out the face of their parents in the bright light of a world not yet soiled. This journey has no end point. It has no predictable path or known outcome. It is the one that we are all walking, yet for some of us, the journey has required more. It has taken more, it has extracted more. Unfortunately, our journey has continued to examine and extract the black blood of innocent black men for the moral consciousness of our continued arc towards justice. And we must say that it is not going to be working anymore for us. I know we are here from many faith walks, but I'm of, tired of us re-crucifying Christ in the vicinage of Philando, in the body of George Floyd, in the innocence of Dante Wright, of all the missing and murdered indigenous women in our society continue to have to be what it costs for us to be better. We need to do better. And I offer to you that the principle of Sankofa is a way to do that. When we look back and honor our past, when we honor the water bearers and the water walkers, when we honor the folks who have carried with us all of this labor, as I look back and wonder, it seems in the, to, to be found in the hardened hands of those who have labored, toiled, backs broken, dreams deferred, and hopes erased in the squeezing of triggers. It is a journey that I have no choice to walk with my eyes watching a power greater than myself, seen in the eyes of those who are walking with me. So I invite you right now to a journey, this Twin Ports community. Don't define yourself by what has happened in the past, but learn from it. We have the opportunity to divine ourselves as who we are and who we want to be, not as somebody else would define for us. And if we are going to keep moving forward, I need you to not just engage in the currency of my joy, but to perpetuate the brilliance of my wisdom, the regalness Of my survival and the complexity of my existence. I need you to move forward in a way that smiles when you see me on the street, that stands with me when somebody decides that today they want to have power over me. I want you to be a presence when I look into the face of oppression and turn around and see that you are standing right there side by side with me saying, hell no, not today. I need you to be willing to walk with me to live and breathe Sankofa as much as the breath that continues to be taken with the knees on our necks time and time again. I need you to be willing to look at who we were, who we are, and imagine and dream with me about who we want to be. Do you want to be a person whose children will grow up in the world that King was hoping for Or do you want your children to grow up in the world of a dream realized? That is the only way that we can move forward. Don't just celebrate my music. Don't just celebrate the words that I create, the culture that I build, but walk with me when my babies are unfairly referred to the office at twice the rate of their white peers for the same behaviors. When others would seek to extract from us, I wanna see you standing there going, no, 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 pay them their money. I, I want you to be able to walk in the space and be able to say I understand a black experience and, l- and your list looks a lot like my list. The list that honors my grandma's hands and my my, my mama's and my titi minga's wisdom. I want you to stand and be able to make the same list that my indigenous brothers and sisters list when we want to pat ourselves in the back for being environmentally conscious when we were environmentally conscious before white folks even set foot on this country. I want you to be able to give the same list of the far who figured out how to survive dust bowls and put food on the table when famines were coming around. We have and always have been brilliant for the things we're interested in. Let's finally be interested in the black, brown, indigenous voices that make this country great. Let's remember all of the legacy of Dr. King, not just the stuff that makes us feel good. Let's remember all of the contributions of all of the people in our society not just the ones that look like us and sound like us or that we understand. Let us be able to keep moving forward in the way that Sankofa has taught us to do, looking at who we were, who we are, and ultimately who we want to be. Thank you. We'd like to give special thanks to the Duluth chapter of the NAACP and all of the participants in the rally, which consisted of Native drumming groups, photography and artistry from local Indigenous artists, and the Central Hillside Gospel Choir, directed by Alana Galloway in the St. Mark African Methodist Episcopal Church. We'd also like to give special thanks to Ivy Vanillo and Doug Bowen Bailey, who provided photography and sign language interpreting for the event. This has been Counter Stories, a co-production of the Counter Stories crew and Ampers, diverse radio for Minnesota's communities, with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Listen to the entire speech at CounterStories.com.